All right. This morning's uh, lesson comes from Luke 18, 9, verses 9 through 14. Jesus told this next story to some who were complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance and looked down their noses at the common people. And I'm going to stop there for a second and just put this in. You know where this is going this morning, right? So just fasten your safety belts. Two people went up to the temple to pray. One Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee posed and prayed like this. Oh God, I thank you that I am not like those other people. Robbers, crooks, adulterers, and heaven forbid a tax collector. I fast twice a week and I tithe all my income. Meanwhile, the tax collector was slumped in the corner in the shadows, facing their hands, not daring to look up and said, God, give me mercy, a sinner. Forgive me, a sinner. And Jesus commented, this tax collector, not the other, went home justified with God. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to simply be yourself, you will become more than yourself. I'm going to say that again. Mm. If you are content to simply be yourself, James and several other people, you will become more than yourself. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So I'm going to preface this by saying, number one, um, this has been a long time coming. Uh, I realized yesterday in a conversation with uh, Pastor James that <laughs> um, I've never said anything about it because I've never let it bother me. Because what, what we teach in this church is so far beyond what everybody's experiencing out in the community that I didn't see the purpose of bringing it up. And when I said that, James looked at me because he did a podcast on this that we're going to talk about now. And this is what this scripture is about. And it's interesting that God apparently wants us to talk about it a little bit because it was in the lectionary. Amen. You know, so if you believe in, in coincidences or things, you know, here it is. It's in the lectionary. This scripture is about, are you ready for it? Are you sitting down? This thing called Christian nationalism. That is what this is about this morning. This is what I'm going to talk to you about this morning because it needs to be said. Not because we have any issue here in the church with people pushing back and saying that America is God's country and all that kind of stuff. We've never had that. Partly because I've never taught that, right? Amen? And it's pretty hard to come to this church for any length of time and, and, and try to push that kind of theology or agenda because 
people will talk about it and you probably won't be comfortable and you'll need to find someplace else to worship. But with that said, when I said what I said to James, James looked at me and said, he talked about it because we need to continue to educate. For too long, these folks have had center stage. And it's precisely because they have center stage that we are experiencing the incredible problems that we have today. If you want to understand why people go shoot up a mall, you can blame it on Christian nationalism. If you want to know why the black community is targeted for hate crimes, you can blame it on Christian nationalism. If you want to know why transgender people continually are slaughtered just for being who they are, it's Christian nationalism. If you want to know why homophobia exists, it is Christian nationalism. Now, I went, for the folks that are already getting kind of nervous about where the pastor's going with this, I went and looked up some definitions for you. And I praise God that mom is with Jesus now because she'd be yelling at me for reading this, for reading, because she'd rather have me talk. But I want to make sure I get this right so you understand what I'm saying. Christian nationalists believe that the U.S. is meant to be a Christian nation and want to take it back for God. Folks, I can't say this any clearer. That is bull. People came to this country <laughs> to <coughs> people came to this country originally to escape their own form of Christian nationalism that was going on in your country. One of the things that James and I talked about, in order to be Christian nationalists, in order for that to happen in a country, you have to have a theocracy. It has to have power somehow. And that's what these people are pushing for, is to have power over your life. And then they get to tell you how to behave. The start of that, the start of that is with what happens to a woman and her body. How much control does she have? And how much control do white men get to exist, or exert, sorry, on people in general? So understand that a study was conducted in May of 2022 that showed the strongest base of support for Christian nationalism in this country is coming from the Republican Party. Yes, I did say that out loud. They identify as evangelical or born-again Christians. And of this demographic group, 78% are in favor of formally declaring the United States a Christian nation. Age is also a factor. Over 70% of Republicans from the baby boomer and silent generations are in support of the United States officially becoming a Christian nation. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? <laughs> Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene has referred to herself as a Christian nationalist. Fellow Congresswoman Lauren Boebert and Mary Miller have also expressed support for Christian nationalism. 
Chris Colbert has described himself as a Christian nationalist. White nationalist Nick Fuentes has expressed support for Christian nationalism. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has repeatedly invoked Christian national talking points and rhetoric during his speeches. So if you wonder why people are riled up and you wonder why things are far more violent than they've ever been. I read on uh, one of the news leaders uh, today that some evangelical that is a Christian nationalist, we'll call it for what it is, actually said that the Democrats and Lindsey Graham are going to get a visit from the angel of death in the very near future. What kind of talk is that, folks? What kind of talk is that? What kind of faith walk is that? We need to understand that this stuff ought to scare you out of your mind. If it doesn't convince you to vote, then nothing will. If it doesn't convince you what has been wrong with the church for a long time, nothing will. Because you see, Jesus made it very clear what the church is supposed to be about. And one of the things that we are not supposed to be about is looking down our noses at people who are not like us. Did you hear me clearly? We are all created by God. We are all uniquely made in the image of God. So we don't need to be standing in the temple thanking God that we're not like that. And yes, that tax collector, I get that people are mad at that tax collector. I get what that tax collector did. But you know what that tax collector did that most of these moderate faith walkers and think they've, they've got it made and they're saved in the eyes of God? We'll save everybody else. At least that tax collector was honest. And that, my friends, is how you avoid <coughs> Christian nationalism. It is how you put it to rest. You look for God's mercy and you're honest about who you are. And understand that in being honest about who you are, there is no judgment in that. That you belong to God. And God will hear you when you say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That is what the message has always been about. It is not about you going out and saving souls. It is not about the government telling you who to love, what gender that is okay. By the way, it is not the job of the government to be messing around with your body. Your body belongs to you, and it's your business, not the government's. And yes, there are people that are listening to me this morning and will go, well, Pastor, you got off of political. Well, it is politics. They killed Jesus because he made a political statement. The political statement that Jesus made was feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked. If you're sick 
and in prison, then go visit them. Folks, that is what God requires of us. Not to reject people, but to bring as many people back home to God as we possibly can. Through example. And for those that want this a little bit clearer, I have two stories for you, and then I'm done. You heard about the guy that went to heaven, right? He arrives, he's greeted by St. Peter. Peter asks the guy if he could give a brief history of his life with the emphasis on the good deeds that he's done in order to gain entrance into the kingdom of heaven. And you'll need a thousand points to get in. Now, this will be a cinch, the guy thinks to himself. I've been involved with the church from the days of my youth. And then he lists all his activities. He was an officer in the youth group. He served every possible position he could in the church, was on the church council, every committee the church had to offer. His list was rather extensive. And Peter said, this is really pretty impressive. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure that we've ever had anybody that scored this many points. And the guy started to smile, took a step toward the gate, and St. Peter said, yeah, 327 points. Only 600 some odd points to go. Can you come up with some other things? Now the poor soul breaks into a cold sweat, and he begins to reach deep for every single act of kindness he could think of. He listed them as the angel scratches furiously on the angelic clipboard and nodded their heads in admiration. Peter looks at the clipboard and says, this is quite exceptional. You now have a total of 402 points. Keep going. Can you think of anything else? And now the man is so distressed as he's trying to recall his good deeds, like the time he helped the little old lady across the street and he brought food to the to the poor, he finally arrived at a grand total of 431 points. And he cried out, I am sunk. There is no hope for me. What more could I have done? Lord, all I can do is beg for mercy. And Peter said, 1,000 points. Mm. Do you hear the message? It's not about being a Christian nation. It is not even about saving somebody else's soul. It is you standing in front of God and saying, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And understand, folks, I am not using that word in a form of judgment. We all sin. Because the definition of sin is any thought, act, word, or deed that separates us from God. Christian nationalism will push you as far away from God as they possibly can. The remedy today, the remedy today is have mercy on me, O oh God. A sinner. God bless you. Amen.